welcome back to another episode of ST Talks. I'm Laura Demmer, your host, and today I'm here with Boomer Birch, Cogent's Beef Program Manager, and he is here to tell us about the beef on dairy management practice and how it is evolving in the UK. But first, I just want to thank you for being with us today, Boomer. Pleasure. Thank you very much for being invited. I'm looking forward to it. To start, can you tell us about the UK's beef supply chain industry? Yeah, so um, the UK beef supply chain is really going through some interesting times. Um, I would say we're probably slightly further ahead uh, of the rest of the world in terms of beef on dairy. Um, Traditionally, obviously, we run uh, what we call a sucker operation in the UK, which is, to you guys, obviously a cow-calf operation. Um, We have a number of breeds, uh, herds, doing that up and down the country. Um, And then also dairy beef has grown massively probably over the last uh, five years. Um, Our cow-calf operation, very similar to to, to what you guys are doing, where we're we're using continental native breeds, um, weaning calves uh, of anything up to six to eight months of age, then selling them into a store market and then on to, to finishers and rearers around the country. Our calf market, beef for beef on dairy, is a little bit different where we have two different outlets for calves for beef on dairy, which is one, um, dairy farmers sell their beef calves, anything at two weeks of age on an open market uh, or an auction yard, or they go into an integrated supply chain, which in reality goes to a, a calf buying group and the calves are owned then throughout the supply chain at every different stage. So can you explain to us um, the impact of beef on dairy to your supply chain? Yeah, of course. Well, as I previously said, it's grown massively in the UK over the last sort of five years. And major genetics companies in the UK have really been, and obviously um, milk buyers have been the real drivers behind this. Um, Sex semen, or certainly sex female semen, uh, dairy has played a massive part in this too. The advancements in technologies uh, predominantly driven by ST um, and the conception rates within, with what, what came with that uh, advancements it, it has really been a game changer for the beef on dairy market. Um, Sucker cow production becoming uh, very, very difficult um, and everyone doing sucker cow production has had to be really mindful of the margins um, and costs. But beef on dairy has given so many more options to these uh, finishers and, and rearers. Uh, and what it has done, I suppose, in the last five years, currently where we would have been around that 50-50% mark, now in the UK, we're still waiting for AHDB to release the numbers this year. But I would think uh, 2022 figures, we will be something like uh, 64 to 68% of UK prime beef production will come from beef wow. on dairy cattle. So, um, you, I mean, you gave us a percentage there, but do you know how many approximately crossbred animals that would be? So the, the numbers that we were able to obtain, we're, we're roughly killing around prime cattle in the UK, around 1.9 uh, million. Okay. Um, we're still waiting for the 2022 figures, so it would be whatever the equivalent of 64 to 68% of, of that kill. Within that, though, however, is dairy beef and suckler bread beef. Okay. So what does this mean for the supply chain, in your opinion? The biggest problem we, we see, in, see in the UK um, across from both processors and retailers is the consistency of UK beef. We, we kill cattle from anything from 12 months uh, to 30 months of age as prime and, and anywhere in between. So you can imagine on a slaughter line, the consistency within that product is really, really difficult to obtain. You know, uh-huh. you've got so many different carcass sizes so many different carcass weights 
Um, and to be able to drive consistency, beef on dairy really brings that, uh, a consistent product that can be finished um, at a similar weight, a similar age, um, and help drive that, I suppose, that consistent product. And alongside that also, eating quality is something that the UK market has never really focused on. Yes, we all want to eat good meat, but, you know, we don't get paid like other markets. We're paid on a Europe grid, mm-hmm. which basically um, pays premium on yield. Um, so our, our carcass-based, still yield-based, but now our, our retailers processes are really looking into marbling, intramuscular fat, and a real eating quality of that beef. And again, beef on dairy helps drive that whole consistency piece. That's fantastic. So can you tell us what this breeding decision, you know, beef on dairy looks like for your average dairy producer in the UK? So, yeah, I think, again, and I said previously, the UK has really driven this beef on dairy thing forward. And we are probably, I would like to think, at the forefront at the minute uh, in the world for beef on dairy. And we're at a real uh, different stage to everybody else now. we have probably gone through the period of everyone switching to using um, beef semen. We have a strategy um, called the Optimal Breeding Strategy uh, produced by ST Cogent, um, which really um, looks at uh, utilising all the tools that are available to our dairy producers. And within those tools, we look at genomic testing, we look at female sex semen. Our, our big push over the last 18 months has been male sex beef. Um, and then obviously following up with a conventional straw. And what this allows you to do within your dairy herd, it allows you to uh, identify those young heifers or young cows that are um, have been genomically tested and that are of genetic interest to breed your replacements from. Then you go in with the cows that are still young, still fertile, but probably aren't of genetic interest um, to breed your replacements from. Those are the, the cows that have been really hitting hard with that male sex semen to ensure we're maximising uh, every pregnancy or making sure every pregnancy is profitable as possible for the dairy farmer and then after that you know the cows are probably third fourth lactation cows maybe second third service then swooping in with a with a conventional straw or one of our fertility enhancing straws of beef that's very impressive and you just kind of answered um my next question but i just i want to ask it just in case there's more to it but is there any other tools that cogent has in place to help these dairy producers make the most profitable and efficient decision in this area? Maybe if you want to expand more on your optimal breeding strategy as well. Yeah. So along alongside that with the optimal breeding strategy, a big part of what, what we've done here is it's ensuring that the, the product that we are delivering to, to the dairy farm is bomb-proof and reliable. Um, and with that, we needed to create a progeny testing program. So when we start, when I started back with, with Cogent around 10 years ago, um, the managers and, and, and the powers that be at the time decided, you know, beef on dairy was going to be a huge thing in the future. The foresight there was unbelievable. And we developed a progeny testing program. What we found was an animal's EPDs, or what, as we call them, EBVs, were a really good tool in making a decision uh, when selecting bulls, certainly to come into the stud, but also when marketing bulls to dairy farmers. However, we did see indiscrepancies as some of the data and some of the reliabilities were low. Um, um, and we saw changes in these um, EDDs or EPDs when we progeny tested these animals on dairy cows. So what we did, we set up our own progeny testing program, which is known as Visions, Cogent Visions, or Cogent Beef Visions, should I say. Uh, and what that does, we're currently sat on around a 10,000 cow 
progeny test population. We put all our bulls into um, all our young test bulls. We put a certain amount of semen into these progeny dedicated farms. Uh, we then follow everything um, from early life data. So uh, conception rates, birth weights, um, carvinies, uh, two to three weeks weights. And we actually have an Aberdeen Angus supply chain that follows it all the way through. So that's from obviously um, conception to consumption. But what this progeny, uh, and this is going to develop over the coming years, but obviously with eco-feed beef and what you guys and us are doing here on the, on the feed efficiency stuff. But what, what the Visions program does gives us real-time, reliable data on, on beef bulls for dairy cows and accurate information. And it enables us um, to select bulls on actual commercial early life data. So for us in the UK, uh, our, our EPDs, because we are a small population of beef cows and a low number of purebred herds, a beef bull that comes in for a dairy cow would probably, if, if, if anything, only have a maximum of 150 progeny born on average per bull. And all that would be purebred data. And if I told you one of our top selling British blue bulls is a bull called Orkinley Hitman, we sold over 200,000 units of semen from that bull. Uh, and he actually only has four pedigree progeny registered to his name on his EBV. But however, over those 200,000 units, you can imagine how many commercial calves have been born from that bull. If we work on a low percentage, we're looking at a minimum of 20,000 crossbred animals that would never have got picked up into an EPD. And what, what our early life data allows us to do is our vision program is capture that early life data um, to be able to be very transparent with our dairy farmers and ensure we're only supplying a product that's going to do exactly what it says on the tin. And with that, and, and enabling us to have that data, we've been able to move from a blanket strategy where we find bulls uh, have different um criteria di different traits that they excel in um, it goes with everything it goes without saying and i'm sure that the dairy guys would back me up and say that the the dairy industry and the dairy bull selection is the same where we excel in certain traits well th this early life data has been able and it's and it's a big thing you know st cogent are going to be working on over the next 18 months is every pregnancy is profitable for the dairy farmer but what we need to do is ensure that those bulls are getting used in the correct places. And gone are the days of blanket using beef bulls. You know, a dairy farmer comes in, he wants an Angus bull, let's say, or a British blue bull, and we just sell one bull. What we're doing is we're using that early life data to actively select bulls. If I give you a scenario, we look at a, a 250 cow dairy herd that's using a little bit of the optimal breeding strategy, sexton beef. This guy wants to gain maximum output from his calf crop. Uh, without sacrificing any carbonese from that cow or any detrimental effect that's going to affect that cow's lactation. But we want to utilize that income from the calves. So what we do is we go in with a strategy using the early life data, the visions data, which we call our CBI index. We go in there and we look at this, the herd and we select bulls probably for first and second service and maybe even third, up to 120 odd days in milk. We, we go for a bull that, you know, that's... Um, is a, is slightly heavier on his birth weights, um, but we know he's going to give a good calf quality with a moderate gestation. We then, from around 120 to 100, let's say, depending on the farm, 70 days mid lactation, go in with a bull that's still going to give calf quality, but with a slightly less birth weight and a slightly easier calving bull. Um, that we know we're going to get a good calf from, but we're not going to get any calving instances with, with cow condition later on in the lactation. And then we follow up finally after that 170 days to whatever we feel necessary is 
um, to go up to. Um, we look around that anything, you know, sort of 220 past uh, days, you're going with a ball that's super easy carving, very, very low birth weight, really short gestation below 278 days that, you know, is going to bring that cow back into sync. You're going to get a low birth weight calf. Yes, it's probably not going to be a calf that's over marketable and not going to meet criteria in the first two to three weeks of age. But that calf is going to come naturally. It's a beef calf and, and the cow's going to get back into the parlor pretty sharp. That is very impressive. And I think this all just kind of goes back to what you initially said, but it's creating a um, product that's very consistent for the supply chain, which is fantastic. Um, So switching gears just a little bit here, beef cattle go through numerous hands before they are processed. Are there any universal traits in the UK that your dairy farmers should be breeding for that, you know, the, the background or the feeder and the packer are all looking for? Yeah, and I would say definitely yes. Again, we're going through a really interesting time here in the UK now where probably in the past, um, dairy farmers have been very disjointed to um, to the retail beef industry and what beef, you know, um, when milk price was um, pretty bad, you know, um, below the 20 pence mark in the UK, the calf crop was always seen as the 13th milk check. Um, you know, it, it, it was a price that you were going to guarantee and it was a monthly check at the end of the year that you could class as such as a 13 month and it was going to be a substantial revenue to the business. So people were selected for calf quality and they really wanted really good calves to be able to sell at two weeks of age. Now milk's at 50 pence. Um, people are really starting to look at what that hidden cost has been to a dairy cow producing that slightly better calf, that slight, that more slightly heavier calf, the, the hidden cost that that cow's put into that calf, the energy it takes, the effect it has in later lactation. Um, and guys have really got switched on it. The, the, the terminology in the UK is sort of a, the cost to cow index that gets the, that gets banded around. Um, so there's been a real switch to the type of bull that the dairy farmer wants. With that, we've probably lost sight of producing an animal. Uh, I don't know if we've lost sight is the word, but we, we sort of become more detached to, to what the retailer and the processors want within that within that supply chain. So, so where we are now is, and certainly in the UK market, we are definitely seeing a lot more alignment from certainly uh, the AI companies within the industry, um, retailers, and then all the way down to, to the to the dairy farmer. Integrated supply chains is becoming a, a real popular way of marketing your beef calves now for dairy farmers because. You know you're getting a guaranteed price for the calf at a guaranteed age. Uh, you know when it's leaving the dairy farm, and you can it enables you to forecast on what your outputs are going to be for the year. Having said that, a dairy farmer's number one priority still is calving ease and that 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 cow's you know health and welfare and profitability when it gets into to the parlour. So we, as a genetics companies or, or or as an industry, need to ensure that we are producing or, or creating the right genetics that fit that retail aspect. So it's our job, you know, to, to talk to these guys and and get aligned as such as, as what we need. And obviously the ideal, the perfect beef bull would be a, you know, a, 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 an average producing 44 kilo um, beef calf that, that grows quickly within the first two weeks of life, reaches 50 to 55 kilos at two weeks of age, which it's collection age. I did forget to say roughly in the UK, any integrated supply chains are looking to pick calves up around that 50 
you know, 48 to 50 kilos of age, you know, 50 kilos of weight uh, before they'll take those cars off the farm just to help with um, health of the calf, you know, vitality of the calf when it gets into a, a mixed um, scenario with other with other calves from other from other farms. Um, so with with that in mind, obviously as a company, we are selecting for uh, and our main criteria at the minute is early life data. But what are our alignments? We have a really really good uh, integrated supply chain in the UK, and we're aligned with a company called Pathway Farming and uh, Marks and Spencers, who is one of the largest supermarkets in the UK and, and, and retailers. Uh, and we're recording all Aberdeen Angus production of test bulls from, from birth all the way through to, to slaughter and, and every piece individually throughout, whether that's calf health, um, calf performance, calf growth, and then obviously looking at all the, the retail and carcass and production traits throughout that. Again, like I said previously, in the UK, we get paid on a, on a euro grid, which is a, a carcass-based yield grid and doesn't really look at... Um, the other, the other bits of, of marbling, intramuscular fat, um, and, and other, I suppose, eating quality traits that, that might come uh, al along with that. What we are seeing is there's definite, definite more demand from retailers and processors. We have uh, retailers and processors in the UK uh, looking at certain genetic lines that have definitely worked for them within their within their systems and, and with their programs, and they are aligning with those breeding programs with, with certain AI companies like the previous integrated ch chain that I've spoken about that we currently have up and running. So I would say at the minute, in all honesty, there is a slight, not misdirection, but uh, we are still waiting, I suppose, for an understanding of, of what that ideal carcass specification and what that ideal animal looks like and, and how it performs. What we know as a genetics company that we want to try and do is Make sure that animal's born easy on the farm uh, for the dairy farmer. However, it grows quickly and the dairy farmer has a real marketable product that, that obviously calf buying groups, um, independent calf buyers within markets or integrated supply chains want to get their hands on. And then aside from that, we want to know that calf within that system or whatever system it goes into grows quickly, is healthy, um, maintains itself throughout its life and finishes quicker. Uh, to, to a quicker age, um, but also has all the yielding and performance and eating quality that these guys and retailers want. Um, so we have set up genetic programs around this as a company um, to ensure we have genetic repeatability and genetic reliability when we're putting these uh, beef on dairy bulls on farm. Um, with dairy farmers in the UK, if you're producing um, beef on dairy calves, uh, for me personally, uh, and as a company, I suppose we say, you need to look for bulls that are obviously tick all the criteria boxes of that early life stuff, but they need to perform in early life as well. Because at the minute, those guys, there is a slight disconnection of the dairy farmer wants to come and pick, the, the, the calf buyer wants to come and pick that calf up from the dairy farm at two weeks of age, and, and it, has to, it has to be a certain weight. So a dairy farmer's main criteria is early life stuff. It comes where the dairy farmer will get more uh, interested or more aligned when retailers uh, roll out exactly what they need performance-wise or what genetic they would like to use within their within their program. We are so we're in a position now where the dairy farmer is really his interest is early life data. 
and we are waiting for retailers to roll that specification of what that actually looks like. So those guys are getting really into genetics now and looking at um, what genetics they're using and what's working in their program. For us going forward and over the next sort of 18 months as, as a group company, as ST Cogent, it's going to be really exciting because the dairy guys within the company have really driven the whole eco-feed piece, sustainability, production and efficiency within beef. Beef on dairy offers that because how it's produced and we're utilising um, pregnancies that probably weren't of a value uh, to a certain extent at a time. Now they're producing a product that can be marketed within the beef industry. What we offer as a company are doing and is really interesting is, is, is the whole eco-feed, feed efficiency piece on beef on dairy. And that's where, when we can add these indexes to our sires, that's when it's going to become interesting to the dairy farmer. Very much like it has done with eco-feed dairy. Um, eco-feed beef is going to follow in those footsteps. Um, and dairy farmers are going to be able to market their product Um a lot more efficiently uh, off the back of, um, you know, being able to say to these, whether it's integrated chains or whether it's open market or ind independent calf buyers, that we know that this calf, yes, it may be born at 44 kilos, but it's going to perform an average, um, and let's just pull some figures out of the sky here, an average of, of 1.6 kilos a day. It's going to... Um, be finished and ready to slaughter anywhere between 14 and 15 months of age. Um, it's going to be 320 kilos um, and it's going to make an R4L. But what we can also say on the back of that with this research and, and, and the eco-feed research that we're doing is that that animal is going to eat um, so many kilos less than the rest of the population average. That is fantastic. And now you've mentioned this a few times already, um, the integrated chain partnership that you have in the UK. And I guess I'm just wondering, with this partnership, do you find that this has helped improve consumer perception of beef? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we all know what COVID did to the agricultural industry. A lot of positives, a lot of negatives. Um, but but what we did find is certainly, and, and I can't speak for the world here, but I think we, we do see some similarities, is that our UK consumer has now began to pay a lot more interest of where that beef comes from, how it's produced, and how well that animal was treated. And a big thing we've looked at in the UK is movements of animals and how many times that animal gets moved and you know, we spoke previously about, you know, welfare of animals, uh, how the supply chain looks. Well, penalisation from, from, from processors and retailers becomes uh, a thing when animals are moved too many times within the UK. We're really looking um, at a maximum of three to four movements of, of a beef animal uh, from the UK. And that's where integration really comes in. Because if you look at an animal's movement with integration, it goes... Uh, and this is a general observation. Many systems are different, but, you know, certainly with our system, the animals, you know, uh, come from the dairy farmer. They move from the dairy farm to the calf rearing unit. They go from the calf rearing unit to the rearer, where those animals are grazed, and then from the grazer to the finisher. So we're, we're well within our movement. I mean, I'll be completely honest. I'm not 100% sure what the average movement was uh, in, in 2022. But I know for a fact the average movement of beef cattle will definitely be down on previous years because it's something we focused on. And that integrated piece really fits into that. Also with that, the integration piece, it's the guarantee of output. 
we're again, I think I've said it previously, we're a really interesting place for beef on dairy in the UK now, where we've done a, a, a big part and our government bodies uh, and our milk buyers have made a real big push on uh, every calf has a life uh, and we shouldn't be uh, euthanizing um, any, any Holstein bull calves. So again, this is where beef on dairy and the optimal breeding strategy really came in. And it was making that Holstein bull into a beef calf that, that's really, really profitable. Um, the problem in the UK, and I know you guys probably won't see it, is we have an issue with TB in certain areas of the countries. That really puts uh, certain restrictions on dairy farmers to be able to sell their calves and where to market those calves if they're shut up with TB and really takes a, a bit of value off those calves. Right. Um, with, with that, with, with the TB thing, and with obviously that the, the every calf has a life. Um, beef semen has helped the Holstein bull calf and the sext, sexton beef strategies help. But now we're in a critical position where we've replaced the Holstein bull calf with, with an Angus heifer calf that is sometimes uh, not as easy to market um, in the UK supply chain because they often uh, finish very quickly at, at an early age and then they're not meeting the carcass weight and specifications of, of what's needed within the industry. So um, we've removed the Holstein bull calf with Sexton beef, and we've made a really good job of that as an industry. Now we have a problem where we, we, we probably have a, an Angus heifer that, that's probably not quite replaced, but it's in a similar ballpark to where the Holstein bull was, and that's looking at TB areas uh, only, really. So now we have to um, look at other options, but where, where we can make that calf, um, and depending on where it's going to get finished, within a, maybe a TBAFU unit, which is a, a dedicated unit for TB calves to go to, how we can make that animal profitable. Well, that's a real sweet spot where male sexed beef semen comes in. Because right. we know males naturally perform uh, better than females in terms of, of, of cattle and livestock. Male sexed beef hits that spot where we go from a non uh, a non-value uh, calf or a calf that's worth very little value to a calf that's actually worth something to the dairy farmer. With male sex beef but but that integration piece helps with that because it, it drives traceability what it does and back to the integration piece it drives traceability it drives uh, efficiencies within the chain without the supply throughout the supply chains it, it, it drives um genetic enhancement because what we're able to do is we're able to track those cars a lot more easier and track their performance for us as a company to be able to make genetic decisions to ensure that we're producing the bulls for the next generation that they're going to further enhance this. Um, and really for the dairy farmer, it just it helps with that guaranteed price. So whether they are open and free of TB or, or where integrated change will take TB calves, it's it's it basically allows that that opportunity to be able to market calves consistently and guarantee an outlet for those calves. Fantastic. Well thank you for that explanation. Um in my next question, I just I'm wondering, in your opinion, how do you think ST Cogent's beef on dairy program differentiates itself from other market offerings you see in the UK? No, it's a really good question, Laura, and and, and we're in a real next twelve month. We're, we're going to be in a, in a real nice place uh, to our offering and what we have. The biggest thing um, for the UK ST Cogent program at the minute is we we have a, a an independent breeding program. So part of what we did, and we all know um, uh, animals can be unpredictable. Semen production is never always straightforward. 
and we identify good bulls that unfortunately, um, for no reason of their own, have a short semen production life, and a dairy farmer and a retailer gets hooked into a bull, and all of a sudden he's gone. So what we needed to do is we needed to make our breeding program repeatable. We linked up with some real good uh, and, and key breeders within the UK that were aligned with the ST cogent um, thought process and were on the same path as us in terms of genetic selection and set up a breeding program where we'll be able to produce uh, bulls and also females for the future to be to be able to replicate and reproduce any bulls that we know are going to or come out uh, in our early life visions testing program high, but now also come out through our um, full lifetime production program that hopefully we're going to roll out later this year with, with EcoFeed Beef. Um, so the breeding program for me is a real key one. It's a UK-based program. Um, it's done through cow-calf operations. We use embryo transfer programs uh, and IVF embryo transfer programs to enhance it. But a, but a real big thing for us has been having that male sex semen to be able to produce to produce more females than males within our breeding program. It's been a great. It's been a great uh, asset uh, in our toolbox, um, and it will be no doubt as we drive the breeding program forward over the next sort of twelve months. Alongside the breeding program as a company, we have our visions testing program. We're one of only two companies investing any level of, of research and R&D investment into progeny testing and accurately progeny testing beef on dairy bulls. And it's key. It's key to beef on dairy production uh, going forward. A dairy farmer and a dairy farmer's main, main I suppose, main interest and main priority um, is always going to be its cow. Now, if we can enhance that calf crop value whilst maintaining maximum cow welfare and cow health with short gestation, easy calving, but also with those easy calving, short gestation progeny, enable the rearers and finishers to be able to have a product that grows quickly, grows efficiency, and meets retailer specification, we're, we're, we're ticking the boxes. Um, our visions program allows us to collect that commercial data and that commercial reliability of where beef on dairy is getting used. And this is where EcoFeed beef is really going to fit in nicely um, to that whole visions testing program and our internal index, uh, which is known as CBI, which is our a financial index we produce internally for our, for our dairy farmers. Sorry, alongside the breeding program and the visions program, one of the things that, that you know we pride ourselves on at ST and Cogent, obviously, is our, our semen quality and our, our QC control, our high-purity sex product. Um, all those combined, along with genetic visions, genomic testing, and the offering and the toolbox that ST brings to to an ST cogent bring to a to a dairy farming operation is 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 mind blowing. Sex and beef strategy and the optimal breeding strategy is key, and male sex beef semen is the next um, thing within that toolbox that's going to really help drive uh, calf output and beef production uh, within the UK. Yes, and it just seems like with all these tools, there is a lot of profit opportunity for these UK dairy producers. Yes, definitely. So my final question for today to wrap this up is, how do you see this beef on dairy 
management decision evolving over the next five to 10 years in the UK? Yeah, so certainly we're seeing it now and it's happening as we speak, Lauren, that is integration has been key and we are definitely seeing more alignment throughout the supply chain. So with the dairy farmer, the, the uh, genetics companies, the, the rearers, finishers, and also the retailers and processors. Um, with, with, with that in mind, that alignment is going to drive genetic um, enhancement, and we are going to be looked at as a genetics business and a genetics part of the, of the, of the beef production arm to be able to have answers um, and ensure that we're producing the next generation of sires that are going to continually, continually produce beef that is not only um, welfare friendly, but is efficient, sustainable. And one of the key parts of it is, is, is eats well. Uh, and it's a lovely, fantastic eating experience for consumers. Certainly in the UK, I think the next, the, the next sort, of, sort of five to 10 years, we're going to see more beef come from the dairy herd. We've seen a massive increase already. Um, the cow-calf suckler operations are declining in the UK, um, and there's definitely a place for, for cow-calf operations and suckler operations. It's been a big part of my background. It's what I originate from, um, and I'm very passionate about it. Um, but any guys doing that cow-calf operation or, or doing it as we call it, suckler beef uh, production, are going to have to become more efficient and more, more data-driven uh, in their businesses and look at what they're doing to ensure that everything they're doing is productive, sustainable, and profitable. And that goes without saying. Right. So there is never going to be, um, or the, we're never not going to have uh, cow-calf operations but beef on dairy production is going to take the market share and the higher percentage of where, where beef in the UK comes from. What we have to do is make it sustainable, efficient, as I've previously said, and, and profitable. Um, we're going to see male sex beef become a key part of what a dairy farmer does within his, within his breeding programme. And alignment is going to be key. Um, we're all looking at research. We're all looking at development. And, and that integration and development within the whole supply chain is going to be key um, going forward. And obviously with that, we're obviously as a company looking at eco-feed, feed efficiency. But I can see other, other parts of that beef on dairy production and other looking at other traits and other areas performance being, being key to what we do. And then we've also got genomics. You know, the dairy industry has embraced genomics massively. I always bring up when I, when I do any presentations or talks or, or conferences, I talk about when I started at Cogent 13, nearly 13 years ago now. And it was like walking into Jurassic Park with the massive Holstein bull, <laughs> five years of age, six plus, only just coming back onto production because they were waiting for daughter proofs. We had a massive layoff unit um, in the north of the country where we would have five, four to 500 bulls on layoff. You know, it was a real sight to see. And I remember coming into the industry at a young age and it, it was mind-blowing. And to see the change we've seen now uh, within the Holstein industry and with my little bit of knowledge it is, is we look at a, a, an average stud age probably of seven to, to um, eight years of age of Holstein bulls now. We're now looking at, I don't know, and Andrew Holiday, my boss and colleague, would probably tell you better, but... We're looking at an average age from four to five years of age of a Holstein bull with the genomic era now. So that whole piece has changed. Beef isn't going to be as simple as that. 
but what it will do, it allow us to make quicker and more efficient decisions to hopefully, um, I'm not saying we're going to be on the tails of, of, of chicken and pork because, <laughs> because we move quick, but we need to get smoother and we need to get quicker. Yeah. Um, and this whole integration, alignment, uh, efficiency, um, dairy beef production is going to enable beef production to, to catch up. That is fantastic. And thank you for that explanation, Boomer. Um, and just thank you for joining us today and for sharing your immense knowledge on this Beef on Dairy program within ST Cogent UK. We really appreciate your time on this. Really, thanks a lot, Laura, for inviting me. And thank you for the time. I really enjoyed it and really appreciated it. So thank you ever so much. This was another episode of ST Talks. If you like what you heard, you can find more episodes on your favorite podcast platform by searching ST Talks or ST Genetics. And if you want to learn more about ST Genetics, visit our website at stgen.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And from all of us at ST Genetics, have a great day.